everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. There's a new way of fishing, and it doesn't use bait or lures. And uh, you'll need to use some strong rope instead of fishing line. And, and actually, you're not really looking for fish either. <laughs> uh, you see, this new kind of fishing uses magnets. Have you heard of this before? It uses magnets. And the catch is, un, is, is uncovered lost treasures. You can imagine what maybe they would be. If, if you want to try this out, you go and buy yourself a strong magnet. Attach it to the end of a rope and go to a dock or, or a place that's popular for boating where people may have lost some things. And, and to call the catch treasures might be a little bit uh, too generous as what most people find are just dropped bolts, lost cell phones, and old cans. But on occasion... And you can, uh, you can look this up. On occasion, someone will find something pretty, pretty interesting. And uh, in Germany, a guy flung, uh, was doing this and flung it into a pond. And he could tell that he had gotten something. And he pulled out a machine gun from, World War, uh, from one of the World Wars. And, uh, and so you can imagine that uh, uh, it's interesting. Because for who knows what you could find. But the challenge is that these magnets have to be pretty powerful, right, to, uh, to be able to grab something and, and be able to, to lift it off of the floor of the lake or the, the riverbed or the pond. And uh, what can sometimes happen if you're, if you're uh, doing this off of a dock is if it gets too close to the dock, if the dock is, is metal, it can attach itself to the dock and the magnet's too strong to kind of lift it off. And so you have to sometimes dive down and, and pry it off. I, uh, uh, it looks pretty interesting. <laughs> it uh, wouldn't maybe, uh, most of the time you wouldn't have as good a, a catch as you would if you were real fishing, but uh, who knows what you'll find. There is, something, there is something just as powerful as these strong magnets, but powerful in a different way. It's the magnetism of a generous spirit. The magnetism of a generous spirit. People are attracted to others who have a generous spirit, aren't they? Can't you think of people in your life that, that are generous? And we're talking about more than just money. But they are generous and people are attracted to those kind of people. Do you want people to know Christ? I hope that's a rhetorical question, right? That the answer is yes. To be a follower of Christ is to be generous. And people are drawn to those who give much more than they get. I love this quote about generosity. Generosity gives help rather than advice. I like that. Generosity gives help rather than advice. Today we want to look at three ways that we can be generous in our lives. Generous in giving, generous in encouragement, and generous in love. 
I wonder if you'd turn with me to our first scripture in Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4. Yes, Tony just read it, but I encourage you to open it up there. It's on page 938 in the Pew Bible. We always, we always mention that because we never want to assume that you're really familiar with the scriptures. And maybe you might get lost. And so that's why we do that. But uh, the hope is that we would get more familiar, right, as we grow in Christ. Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4. We've been working through the Sermon on the Mount over the past few weeks. And the theme of Jesus' teaching continues. He is interested in our heart and our motives. Sometimes we get consumed with what's on the surface. But he wants to go deep. And he does it again here. And Can I read it? I think it's helpful to hear it twice. It is for me anyway. So if I could read it again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We aren't generous for others to notice. But in obedience and worship to God, that's why we're generous. It's Him It's him we're out to be seen by, not by others. I love how the message paraphrase puts this verse. I find sometimes it can just, oh, I never thought of it that way. And can I read it here? This is the first verse. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It may be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. I like that. The God who, it may be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. We give for God's applause. That word hypocrite, it really can come back and mean that word actor. Uh, It can mean actor. Isn't, Isn't that an interesting way to look at an actor? That an actor is a hypocrite. They're trying to be something they're not, right? If you think of your favorite actor on TV or in a movie, They're trying to be something that they're not. Well, in this case, it's not good, right? When it comes to giving generously, don't be an actor. Be genuine. Now, I think it's worth noting here that it's not not wrong, I don't believe, to be honored by others. It's just wrong to have this as your motivation, right? We've all met people that, we wonder, would they really even give if they didn't have their picture in the paper, <laughs> right? Would they really even give at all? It's about, it's about the motivation. I mean, when we, uh, we want to look at Scripture holistically, right? Because when we look back a few verses, uh, in Matthew 5.16, it says this, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I have been inspired by others who were generous givers. But they gave from a pure heart. They gave to the glory of God, not to themselves. 
So we examine our hearts. And we want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. You know, there's, there's two times in this passage, in verse 2 and verse 3, it's, it says we're specifically talking about being generous to the needy. It says, when you give to the needy, in verse 3, but when you give, when you give. And, you know, it seems that this is just an assumption, doesn't it? That as a follower of Christ, you will be giving (laughs) to the needy. And I'm just talking about how you do it. You know, the passage that Tony read from Isaiah made this clear. That God smiles when we help the poor and are generous with our money and resources. You know, the other day I was sitting at Tim Hortons and the one on the overpass um, going down that lakeshore. And I was sitting doing some work there. And where I was sitting, I was kind of facing all the, the cars that were leaving out of the drive through And there was a gentleman there at the curb uh, with a sign. And, uh, you know, I didn't read the sign, but uh, it was obvious he was looking for some money and for some help. And you know what? Maybe this... Maybe this speaks a little bit to my, uh, to my heart, but I was kind of surprised. I would say almost every car stopped. And you could kind of tell some of them would be like asking him about, uh, you know, why he's needing money and those kind of things. And uh, I thought that was interesting. People were being generous. People were being generous to this gentleman they didn't even know. And I know what you're thinking because I have these thoughts as well. Well... He, he, he might waste that money, right? Or there's other ways to help. And you know what? Sure, we need to be wise when we're generous. But I would rather err on the side of being generous than being stingy, right? I have found sometimes when the, the voice is loudest saying, no, no, that's not the way to do it, is the reality is there's no way uh, that we are really helping. We, want, we need to be generous to those in need. There are those in need around us. I think that's, I've mentioned this before, but I think that's one of the, the eye-opening things and the blessing that has been about uh, helping a little bit down at the gathering place is to just see how many are in need in our city. We don't have to look far away to see it. Jesus was overly generous to us. And that's our example. We're going to talk about this verse in a few moments. But 1 John 3 verse 1, it says God lavished his love on us. There's almost a sense right there. He gave us way more than we could handle. (laughs) He lavished his love on us. He didn't just give us enough. He gave us more than enough. And so let's, let's face it, and this is the blanks on your hand that if you're using that, giving to others is more satisfying than keeping it for yourself, isn't it? It's more satisfying, but it also is pleasing to the Lord. So, so can I ask you, with this first one, generous and giving, how will you give generously to others this coming week? How will you give generously to others? You know, there's all sorts of ways that we can. And sometimes it is just to bless people, right? Have you ever had an opportunity for no other reason just than just to bless people? You know what? It's powerful. Uh, and I, you know, 
if you would even go into a restaurant and say, God, you know, what would you have me give and bless this waiter with today? It, uh, it could open up an interesting conversation if you doubled their tip for no other reason than just to be generous. You know, I saw, uh, I saw that there was a church in Chicago that they decided to order pizza. And, uh, and there's been several churches kind of since that have done these kind of things. But they decided to order pizza. And lo and behold, this pizza delivery girl came in and they invited her right onto, stay, onto the stage. And uh, they, they, they actually, in this case, they asked people to come up and just be generous to this, this young woman. And it turned, they didn't know who she was, but they just said, we believe that, that God has you here for a reason. And I don't know how much, but it would have been thousands, I think, that they gave her just as a blessing to her. And she turned out to be a single mom trying to make, a, trying to make her way. And she was so blessed by that. Generosity. Generosity. You know, we might think, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be, I think sometimes, you know, God, could you make me rich? Because wouldn't that be fun <laughs> to, to be that kind of generous to people? But we all have ways that we can be generous right where we are. So how will you be a generous giver this week? How else can we be generous? Well, we turn to Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. It's on page 1168 in your pew Bible, 1168. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. And I think that this way of being generous is one of my favorite ways because I have experienced this myself. Generous in encouragement. Verse 24 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us listen to what uh, the Wesley Bible Commentary said about this verse. Men usually respond and grow when people believe in them. But lost self-confidence when others withhold their confidence from them. But lose self-confidence. Sorry, I misspelled there. They lose self-confidence when others withhold their confidence from them. Of all people, Christians should be great believers in one another. You understand what they're saying there? You've seen this in people. You've seen this if you have children. You know, it's amazing what just words of affirmation and encouragement can do in a child's life, in believing in them. Christians should be great believers in one another. I like how this, this version puts verse 24. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Let us be concerned. Let's consider how we can spur one another on. You know what? This is talking to the church. This is talking to us. We are to actively be concerned for one another and how we're living out our faith to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Hebrews 10.25 goes on to state a simple point 
but something we sometimes forget. It's pretty hard for me to help you or for you to help someone else if they're not here. It's hard to encourage one another if, we've, if we never see each other. We need encouragement. Wouldn't you agree? We need encouragement, especially in these days. And you know what? That word courage is right there. In that word encouragement. Encouragement is me passing on to you through words and actions, reminders to be courageous as you face the challenges of life. Be, cur- be courageous. God wants to help us. So let me encourage you today. Thank you for coming to church today. You're, you, are, you are a great person. Did you know that? Each and every one of you. And it just wouldn't be the same without you. God loves you. And we love you. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. And you know what? Can I just tell you, even if you think you've made a mess of things, God specializes in making messy lives beautiful. So I'm glad of what he is doing in you. Encourage, and you will be encouraged. Encourage, and you will be encouraged. George Adams said, encouragement is oxygen to the soul. Isn't that true? Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. This scripture is a, is a reminder that this is something we need to work on. I mean, these verses are talking to believers. I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to be too generous in encouragement. But it does take doing it. It does take doing it. It's not hard, but it does take intentionality. Right, they, um, you know, there's a principle in um, um, when we sing, and uh, you know, you know that I've uh, uh, that I've been in choirs before and things like that, and they talk about that when you sing, and if you want to look pleasant, <laughs> right, uh, you have to in your head, you almost have to overdo it to make it come out right. Right? Because if you think, you know, and some of us have harder times than others. You know what? I remember one time um, Chrissy and I were traveling and we got somebody to, uh, to take our picture. And they looked up at me and said, so we're not smiling? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm smi- I, I think I'm smiling. Right? You know what? I just think of that as, a, as an example. You know, sometimes it comes naturally to us. There's some of us kind of wired for this. We love to encouragement to encourage others. Really, there's a, a gifting that is there. And there's other, others of us, it doesn't really come very naturally. And we might need to overdo it to help it to really come across. But however we do it, we need to do it. <laughs> we need to do it. We need to come together and we need to encourage one another. So can I encourage you? How can you be encouraging? Can I, can I get us to think about something? That how could you be encouraging to somebody else in the church today? 
of course, it would be awesome if we would encourage somebody, you know, that, uh, that was outside the church and encourage you to do that. I'm overusing that word, but anyway, to, uh, to do that as well. But is there a note that you could write this week to someone in the church to just say, you know what? I don't know if I've ever told you this, but thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Would you consider that today? Generous in giving. Generous in encouragement. And thirdly, this morning, we want to look at John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. It's page 1045 in the Pew Bible. John 13, verse 34 and 35. And we're talking about being generous in love. Generous in love. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And you'll notice there the the blank, loving others is a bomb for our soul. Have you ever needed uh, something like a balm, a lip balm, or a, a, something that is soothing, <laughs> right? You know, I don't, I don't really use lip balm, but boy, when there are times I need it, boy, it makes a difference, <laughs> right? Uh, when we love others, it is just, it's, it's the stuff of life. It gives life to us. Jesus showed us what love was when he died for us. But I want to focus on the last part of this verse. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It is, it is our love for one another that will give a clear sign to those looking on that we belong to Jesus. Because he has taught us how to love. And of course, if they, you know, maybe they're not familiar with the story of the gospel, but they'll know that there's something different. Think of all the other things we could put time into. Some of, some of them are very worthy things. Some of them maybe not. But none of them compare to the witness it is to the world when we love one another. If if we don't love each other, the world is still looking, aren't they? The world looking on may wonder whose we are. Because the Bible says that God is love. I like how the New Living Translation put this verse. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It will prove to the world. If love is the proof, wouldn't generous love be undeniable? You know what? Can I, can I say, I think we can grow as a church in this area. I don't think we always love each other maybe the way we should. I need to love more, more generously, but I can't do it alone. I can't love for you. I need your help. 
Will you love your brothers and sisters in Christ in our church like we are commanded to? In such a generous way that the world would look on and say, wow, there's something different about them. In a good way. When iron is rubbed against a magnet, it becomes magnetic a little bit. Just so, love is caught, not taught. One heart burning with love sets another on fire. The church was built on love. It proves what love can do. Love is caught, not taught. Right? And you might say, well, aren't you teaching us <laughs> about it today? But it doesn't... Boy, one act of love is worth ten sermons on this. You know, there are many different methods of evangelism, of sharing the good news of Jesus. But if we don't get this right, I'm not sure how effective those are, the other methods. We need to love one another. You know, during World War I in France, a nightingale had its nest in a tree near the trenches. In the silence... Between volleys, its song could be heard. The thunder of the guns would drown it out, but when they fell silent, its glad notes were flung out above the battlefield. It was singing a song, a love song to its mate. And even in that timid bird, love could cast out fear in that place. A church is a place of generous love for one another. The difficulties and joys of life can distract us. But when they fall silent, the steady flow of love should be there. I mentioned 1 John 3 verse 1 a moment ago. Let me read it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You know that phrase, what great love. What great love the Father has lavished on us. It could, it could kind of be translated, of what country. It, it's so foreign. Of what country. It's as if the Father's love is so unearthly, so foreign to this world, that... The writer, John, wonders what country it could come from. Would we love with that kind of love? We might be tempted to say, oh, no, no, that's too much. Or that's, you know, that's not what they do. Or let's have a generous love for one another. Friends, the world needs people with a generous spirit. Lavished, extravagant Generous, generous in giving, generous in encouragement, and generous in love. And so as we close today, I think I'm just going to pray for us and ask us to look inside and answer the question, am I a generous, do I have a generous spirit? And the reality is, God wants to do that work in us. He wants to birth that in us.
Some of it's natural. I get that. Some people are just naturally wired certain ways. But as followers of Christ, it should describe who we are. Can I pray for us today? Lord, the psalmist said, search our hearts. Search my heart, he said. See if there be any wicked way in me. And Lord, we would pray that you would search our hearts. Lord, we want to reflect you in all that we do. I pray that you would help us to have a generous spirit. Lord, we recognize, we forget sometimes, but that all that we have is not ours. It is yours. And you have given it to us to steward. So I pray that we would be generous with what you have given us, whatever it is. Lord, we thank you that you have called us together as people, as your church, to be known by one another, to care for one another, to consider the other person's best. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be generous in encouragement. And Lord, you showed us what love is all about. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be generous in love. And so Lord, in, the, in just the quietness of this moment, we would, uh, we would answer you. What are you saying to, to me today? How do you want me to respond? Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church, following Christ, growing together. Thank you.